0: You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. And today's story is the second of two parts of What Was Your First Spell? by Dirt Coyote, who, when he's not causing all sorts of trouble on Twitter, is writing a novel, a series, and short furry fiction. His story featured on The Voice of Dog, I'm Just Your Stud, was nominated for Coyote's Best Short Story of 2021. Find him at Dirt Coyote on Twitter for future updates. Last time, Mateo, a magic-gifted coyote, has transitioned from a small cub to adolescence. He's proven to be quite the prodigy in his magic, but he's still got a lot of growing to do. Please enjoy What Was Your First Spell by Dirt Coyote Part 2 of 2 Headmistress Elizabeth Berth scoffed hard and shook her head back and forth. The question had flustered her enough that the Empyrean light spell she projected just over her shoulder flickered. In the millisecond that it wavered, the shallow spectre underneath stirred from its dormant state. It lay on the table as flat as paper, but as it awoke, a thick, black, blotched claw wearily reached out from inside its form. The mistress strengthened her spell until it collapsed back into itself once more. We're not here to discuss me, we're here to discuss you, the bat said in annoyance. Mateo seemed disinterested, studying the spectre as if he hadn't heard her response. The frost wyvern on his shoulder mimicked his disregard, leaping onto the table to circle around the shade. In a sadistically morbid thought, Elizabeth wondered if the wyvern would poke its little head underneath her ray. A familiar that week would almost surely explode in an instant. It didn't, though, and instead made its way back to its master's shoulder. Elizabeth pointed a finger at the wyvern and shook her head back and forth as she spoke. "'Look at your summon. That is exactly the thing that I am trying to explain to you. She might have been impressive when you were a gold pine, but you're an adult now. That thing should be large enough to fill this room. It's only a pest I'd find scurrying in my kitchens.' The summon took offence, growling at her, but Matteo reached up quickly to stroke her chin until the wyvern settled down. That just made Elizabeth more annoyed. It's not supposed to be a cute accessory for your robe. It's supposed to be a ferocious wyvern that garners both respect and caution. You're not taking your studies seriously. Her arms flung into the air, both her robes and wings flapping loudly. Every year had a problem student, but never one that acted so smug as this one. Twiddling his fingers in the air, the coyote conjured up a parchment of light, listing off his courses and the marks he'd been getting in them. Definitely the smuggest of them all. Stop that, Elizabeth demanded. With a wave of her paw, the light show was dismissed in a flurry of colours. I know your studies and I've seen your marks. Simple classes. Introduction to single-phase illusions. Basics to botanical alchemy. Astronomical anomalies. Psychonic husbandry. All your courses are trivial. A third-year student of your magnitude should be specialising, not diversifying. Mateo dispelled the rest of his magic, but didn't ease his stance. Pouting, he folded his paws into his robes and flicked his eyes to the side. The wyvern crawled over his shoulder and draped her body across his neck. Muzzle underneath muzzle, she brushed her jagged beak against the coyote's chin. Purrs vibrated from her chest to soothe her master's grumbles. Elizabeth was losing him. That's not why she'd summoned him. Trying again, she relaxed and wrapped the table with her claws. You're not fighting me. You can't. I'm here to help you. You're fighting yourself. You think so many people have had the resources and opportunities you've had? His ears flicked up at that, brow furrowed as he processed the words. Tension in his posture eased until he looked up with some thoughtfulness. She could tell that Mateo was regretting making such a fuss, but before he could apologise, the bat raised her paw. You wanted to know my first spell. But I couldn't tell you, even if it could help you hone in on your studies. My village had very little magical experience, sans the passing mage here and there. No one knew what to make of me when my firsts came out. Sometimes I'd wake in the morning with my mother's pearl necklace in my paw. Other times I'd be talking to a stranger everyone assured me had long passed. They thought I was causing trouble though, or delusional. Even I thought I was going insane. It wasn't until I fell off a ridge and floated safely to the ground that I knew for sure that something was up. Curiosity raised Matteo's brow as he looked to the bat's wings, but she didn't let him ponder on it. There, I hitched along with the next trading caravan and made my way to the city to become an apprentice. I studied everything I could, eventually found my way here as a student and became a professor before taking the role of headmistress. He didn't seem too convinced of that. When she was certain that the spectre lay in a state of spell-induced comatose, Elizabeth leaned in and tapped her claw against the table. That was my journey, but I've seen your talent. Your first semester, you shattered an oak tree into a full dining room set. In your second, you expanded the spatial barriers of a ceramic jar to contain the volume of a lake And, uh, though you think no one notices, you're quite adept at Milloy's snatching transference. Haven't seen anyone teleport as much food since I was a junior here. Raising her paw into the air, she twiddled a sausage between her fingers. She twirled it around, the coyote taking a second to recognise it before he reached into his own robes, empty-pawed. Yeah, I really wish you wouldn't put them in your pockets. Wrinkling her nose, she tossed the link onto the table. His face grew hot, and he mumbled out an apology, but she just waved it off with a chuckle. It's impressive, but disgusting. Again, you're talented, but you're not specialising. With a more serious tone, she leaned her muzzle forward and said, I know, it's scary. You've been good at everything you've done so far, but you've only been taking courses meant for beginners. You have so much potential, and you're wasting it on things you already know you can excel in. You need to challenge yourself. Matteo's gaze turned toward the side, and Elizabeth knew she was getting through. Even if he might not have been making his choices consciously, he was thinking about his decisions. The wyvern moved from the coyote's neck to rest on his shoulder, and with some decisiveness he nodded. Elizabeth grinned in approval at first, but she knew she had other things to discuss. There was a reason why she needed him to start improving. Mateo I need to tell you something that stays between us, she said, leaning into the desk. He leaned in as well. She thought of her words and said, The Ministry has been snooping at my steps, looking for fresh recruits as war approaches. I've been able to keep them back so far, but I won't be able to forever, and they're going to be looking at those who aren't deep into a field. That's you, she let her words hang in the air before continuing. At the very least, you'll pair with Tristan for Arcanian defensive arts. Matteo scoffed, and her eyes blazed. Light from the candles overhead darkened, shadows of the corners of the room deepened, and even the Empyrean light spell sputtered under the headmistress's glare. The cocky coyote's attitude crumbled while the bat stared daggers at him. You will not rule your eyes at me, she said in icy words as cold as the air surrounding them. Sitting up, Matteo straightened out and perked his ears. Nods and apologies came rushing out of him as he noticed the spectre on the table coming to life under the weakening spell. A blood-red eye opened from its shape, turning towards him like the planchette out of a ouija board. It blinked once, sunk into the black of its own body, and then lunged out with both of its dagger-ridden hands before it could lay a finger on the coyote. The entire demon burst into a flurry of flying sparks and sprites. The colors spewed out into the air, turning every which direction away from the bat's extended paw. The evisceration spell spewed smoke from her claws. A dangerous frown spread on Elizabeth's muzzle was all that remained of the existence of the spectre. Her face fixed to his, and in her darkened expression, an understanding was shared between them. With the spectre off her mind, she slumped back into her own chair. It'd be a month before she could get another specimen quite like that, but the damn thing was becoming feisty anyways. Taking a deep breath, She steadied herself before speaking again. I know my son can be difficult. Hell, I raised him. I've seen how pompous he can be. But he means well. He's just as talented and bright as you, and maybe you two can rub off on each other. She finished her sentence, her muzzle twisting at her phrasing. The coyote noticed it too, a slight blush under his whiskers. She quickly pulled out a parchment, scribbling her recommendation for the coyote's course transferal. I'm taking you out of psychonic husbandry. I don't even know why we offer that silly course anyways. You'll start defensive arts next week. Before your next semester starts, you'll show me the courses you intend to take and we'll decide if they're going to be right for you, she said in a dry tone. Matteo rose from his seat, bowing his head as he accepted the letter and turned towards the door. She snapped her fingers and he stopped. Not that I think anything will be going on, knowing you two's feuds, but I must remind you that Tristan is betrothed, her voice was flat, her words stern. "'I'm privy to your... reputation. I've no problem with your prevalence of bedmates, but I will ask you to mind your choices when dealing with my son.' He turned, bowed again, and left her office without a word. As he left, though, she noticed the devilish smile he tried to hide, and there was no doubt she might just launch him straight into the upper stratosphere before he'd graduate.' We're going to die, and you want to know what my first spell was? Cameron laughed, his chilled breath visible in the air. Mateo shrugged, teeth chattering. He murmured something, but the crashing waves interrupted him. The otter lifted his blanket, waving his paw. Get in here. Rather have some plump tits against me right now, but yours will have to do. The coyote nodded his head, his military uniform not enough to stave off the biting cold in the icy night. The wyvern on his shoulder flocked up, fluttering around until it found a spot in the sand it could settle in. Mateo squeezed into the otter, letting him drape the blanket over them with their backs against the cliff toward the open ocean. Could you not have learned to summon a fire elemental before you left that fancy school of yours? Cameron joked, but pulled the coyote in to share his warmth. The two sat in silence, surrounded by other soldiers barely visible in the darkness. All campfires had been extinguished, The only relief was to bundle in blankets tightly. Some slept, most couldn't, too afraid. The Monsarian fleet would be shoring up along the beach by morning. Twenty thousand men armed with swords, spears, and magic. They weren't half of that, probably not even a quarter. "'I don't think I'll sleep tonight,' Cameron said. He saw Matteo turn his head with a wry smile stuck on his muzzle, but cut him off before he could speak. (laughs) "'Not going to happen, buddy. "'That one time was more than enough for both of us, "'and you've got your bat at home.' "'The words left his mouth before he meant to say them. "'He didn't want to remind them of their loved ones back home. "'They were the last line of defence. "'If they couldn't hold the fleet here, "'then the war would be brought to their doorstep, "'and the Monsarians were not known for their mercy. "'Everything and everyone they cared for was dangling on a thread.' "'Cameron sighed really wishing he had those tits next to him instead. My first spell? Uh, it was planned. Us river folk can sense it. We're just in tune like that. He said it, knowing full well the coyote must have known. Mateo didn't interrupt him, though. He just listened on with a paw wrapped around his chest under the blanket. Cameron pulled him in, enjoying the warmth of their friendship. If this was going to be it, then he couldn't have asked for a better friend to spend his last moments with. Her name is Cassandra. She was the same age as me, six or seven, when I felt it stirring underneath. I'd held it in for maybe a week before I could get her along. The magic was roaring inside of me, wanting to escape out of every limb. There was a fear it was going to shoot out in my sleep if I kept it in any longer. Cameron let his gaze wander, the cold waters ahead disappearing to the warm streams he grew up in the salt-rich sea transformed into the woodland must-pools he was familiar with. There, as if clear as day, he could see the otter lass standing in the shallow waters with him. I told her I had a secret for her. I told her to close her eyes and relax. I told her to lean in close to the sound of my voice. I told her to hold still, and when she was close enough, I sprayed out a splash of water from my hands. Cameron slapped his paws together, causing the blankets to fly up off them. Groans from other soldiers, a call for them to shut up, rang out from the troops. He didn't, laughing loudly over Matteo's snickers. They pulled the blanket back over themselves, and he finished his tale. Only meant for it to be a squirt, but I'd held it in for too long. Might as well have shot a full river at her. She knocked up into the air and came down with a splash. Her clothes were drenched, and she went screaming to her parents. More groans and hushes, and the otter began to settle down. Oh, my dar tan my hide for that. Mom scolded me for a month. Cass didn't talk to me for years. And I still think she's a little pissed. He paused, her smile still fresh on his mind, like they'd only said goodbye yesterday. When I get back, I swear I'm going to ask her to marry me. Choking croaked from Cameron's throat, caught just before he could escape. "'sniffling into his ear, and he knew Matteo was thinking about his bat similarly. "'They were men, soldiers sworn to defend their home, yet neither could hold back tears. "'He leaned into the coyote's neck, craning his head back to comfort him. "'As he did, a flash passed before his eyes. "'Well, look at that, a shooting star,' the otter said listlessly. "'He said he wouldn't sleep, but his eyes were growing heavy.' Wish for some rest so I can have something to play with before morning comes. The coyote snorted, jabbing at his side. It wasn't enough to rouse him from the slumber slipping over him. He wanted to fight it, not wanting his last hours spent to sleep. There was no winning, just like tomorrow, and so he let his eyes slump. Before they could fully close, though, another flash flicked across the sky. A second shooting star. Before he could realize what was happening, the coyote had jumped out of the blankets. Mateo, Cameron called out, watching him race towards the shoreline. The sky began to light up, and he watched Mateo lift both paws into the air and draw magic from the stars themselves. Denise squirmed, feeling small in the seat she couldn't quite fill out. Under the coyote's gaze, she felt younger than nine, more like five and in need of a parent to hold her paw. Mateo's study felt looming. Not wanting to be intimidated, she answered the question with a question of her own. "'Hasn't Grandpa told you already?' she asked accusingly, looking over the coyote's shoulder. Behind Mateo was a painting, frame lit by runes. The scene was of a wedding. Mateo in the middle, clasping paws with the late Tristan birth. Standing beside the coyote was her grandfather, an otter, smiling in his decorated uniform, all of them seemed impossibly young, fur full of colour, not yet washed out in grey. He didn't answer, muzzle fixed, in that same quiet stare. Usually the coyote would be running her ears off, sharing all his tall tales and adventures. Now the silence was biting, tearing at her insides. It was aggravating. It wasn't my fault, she whined, sliding further into her seat. Sharply, Maestro Mateo snapped his fingers, and the door to the rest of the library swung open. In came a rug, riding in the air half-crisped. Part of it was still smouldering, scenting the room in ash. The rug leaned in accusingly, as did the coyote, awaiting a confession. Denise looked down sheepishly. I've got it under control. At that, the coyote got out of his seat and planted his behind firmly on his own desk. His tail flipped upward, so the otter could see his singed tip. (laughs) Mostly, Denise coughed. Matteo sighed, his old age apparent. His paw encompassed his face as he fell into it. The arm of his robe pulled back, revealing a skinny, frail twig. Long gone was the soldier, the hero, the titanic legend that was awed. Now only sat a tired old canine at the end of his days. The coyote turned to the door, looking about ready to dismiss her to spend the rest of his day mending the scorched remains of the library furniture. There was sadness in his eyes, one deep enough to move Denise's core. "'I'm sorry, maestro,' she blurted out in tears. "'I'm really sorry. It was just I got caught up. I was—' The otter trailed off, unable to put into words what she felt while she was browsing Matteo's library. There was his garden of exotic fruits the coyote bloomed during a drought to save thousands from starvation. Behind a glass case was a staff carved from the wood of a tree. It was just one of an entire forest he summoned to stop an impending avalanche. On a shelf was the shattered crown of the slaver king he tricked into a battle to the death. Above it all, was the massive, magical tapestry of ice drakes he summoned during a meteor shower to maroon and fracture the Monsarian army crossing the ocean? She was taking in the beast's destruction as they splintered mighty ships into planks woven into the fabric. The tapestry moved, showing an ice drake matriarch flying between boats and breathing ice breath to freeze the soldiers where they stood. The sight excited her, stirring the magic inside until it came out in flames she couldn't control. She clenched her paws to her knees, feeling the familiar buzz swarming towards her claw tips. Denise didn't want to admit it, but she was already feeling magic, gathered to her paws again. She cried out, I want to be like you, I want to perform great acts of magic, but... She snapped her muzzle shut and grit her teeth. Maestro Matteo looked up, a little surprised at the outburst. That's when he noticed the magic beginning to ignite in her paws and moved swiftly in front of her. He crouched to his knees and reached forward, taking her wrists into his grasp gently. She wasn't sure if it was a spell the coyote was performing himself or if his touch was enough to settle the magic she gathered. He looked up into her eyes with some kindness and then flicked his ears as if asking for her to continue what she was saying. Denise understood and said, "Uh, ''I don't know if I can be good enough. What if I can never control it? Where would I even start?'' Despite his age, a flint spark of light glimmered in his eyes. He rose slowly to his feet, looking down at her. Denise shrunk again, even farther than she thought she could, but Matteo just gave her a small wave to settle her down. Then he turned himself to a bookshelf and approached it. He fingered along the spines of the text before finding what he was looking for and grabbed one off the shelf. He stared at the book long, and the otter could see an ache in the coyote. She watched as he clung the book tightly to his chest. Denise could swear she could see tears building up along the sides of his eyes. Mateo slowly unwound, taking a deep breath in, and walked back to the otter. Carefully he set the text into the cub's lap, and let out the longest sigh of relief that she thought possible. With that, her maestro let everything loose, and blinked out the weariness. In the otter's paws sat a book she'd never seen before, It was worn, frayed at the edges. Tears and snot bled into the pages. Studies of the metaphysical, the ultra-planed, and the natural and unnatural properties of majestic phenomena. Matteo clicked his claws against the title several times, and Anise knew what this was. It was the start of a wonderful relationship. This was the second and final part of... What Was Your First Spell? by Dirt Coyote. Read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.